So we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Dans le paquet, ils n'ont pas si bien au jeu face à Joël Matt et ça va être le but de Chris Wallet But de Wallet 1-0 pour l'Olympique de Marseille Hello and welcome to another episode of the Marseille View. This is take two of the PSG against Marseille podcast because as usual, I messed up on the recording and mute and did not press record on the podcast. But here we are um, debriefing the PSG against Marseille game where Marseille and AVB's men went to the Parc des Princes in Paris yesterday um, as for the uh, last game of match day two of League One and came away with three points, which was something that we haven't seen from, from Marseille beating PSG in nearly 10 years now and 20 confrontations that led to to not a single victory until now, where uh, Marseille had a very, very weird tactics and somehow decided to, to, to park the bus, something that we're not used to seeing from Marseille, and came away with all three points. Um, so today we're going to talk, basically, today's episode is going to be all about the PSG game. There's not that much news going around the club, and um, and there was so much happening with, with the, the chances, the tactics from both sides. Uh, declarations uh, from from press conferences before the game, after the game, uh, the 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 red cards, the the referees' mistakes, the blunders. So much to talk about. So we're going to debrief all of this within the next hour. And uh, to do this with me today, uh, I've got the president of the OM Nation London, and that's Ben. How are you doing, Ben? <laughs> I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to ask to reel off your, 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 your last night again after the after the yeah, failed yeah, recording. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna that's gonna go to my head one day. Um, but um, yeah, good good. I don't I've only got recovered seventy percent of my voice today, so that tells you how good a night it was. Yeah, I mean, you always go to the games, don't you? So you've been to quite a few PSG Marseille games in your lifetime to the bar, and I think it must have it must be the first time that actually nobody's <sighs> ending up screaming at the. At the at the end of the game, no, we we screamed, but not for the same reasons. But um, I think no, I think it's it's just the first time where you, you could just feel this one was different. I think the whole vibe, everybody that arrived as they arrived, it, people were at beat. You know, you just expected and, and knew that. I think AVB had learned from from last year his mistakes, and you hope and you always hope, but this time it, it felt like we had reason to hope. Yeah, there was definitely something different in the atmosphere. Maybe it was because it was the, like early in the season and Pietrich came off two losses. So it sounded like somehow it was meant to be. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I think everyone's glad that it happened. Um, and the second person uh, to join us is Kaylee, who hasn't been on for, for a while. But I mean, welcome to join us. How are you doing today? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm still a bit hoarse from yesterday. But um, yeah, um, obviously, I'm over the moon that we've won. And despite the controversy of the actual game, which is all that's talked about now. Um, but yeah, great, I'm great. It's, 
I think it's gonna be a, a definitely something like lifted off our shoulders every year to go and go out and then have the the tweet every year saying it's been eight years that Marseille hasn't beat PSG. It's been nine years that Marseille hasn't beat PSG. It's been ten years now. Now we can finally reset the the, the stopwatch, and you know just say like move on and stop having this curse like over us repeated over and over again, isn't it? Yeah, well, the, the way like the the game was pitted like against it was like Marseille against um, Paris's kids, but it, it kind of has the feel of like Liverpool winning the league has an asterisk above it. It kind of had that feel going into the game as if it somehow like the the derby's dampened, you know. Um, yeah, it's true actually. Even even like during and after the game, you, from, from when you watch the, the the media and stuff, it sounds like there's. There is an asterisk like with this game when you don't understand why because it was essentially apart from two starters which is Mbappe and Marquinhos they still have on the field over one billion's worth of euros in players exactly like that that team alone should be able to on paper beat our team I think the difference was this time obviously VB's put in some kind of different grit that we wouldn't normally have there was no real even though in the first 15 minutes we were quite shaky the passing wasn't great it was just still a great I never really felt like well I did feel like we could lose obviously but I don't know just not as we normally would you know like we wouldn't get battered yeah and I mean we're going to talk about all the chance and stuff but things could have turned a lot of different ways if for example the, the variety chance in the first minute went in it would have completely thrown off AVB's plans, you know, like in the waters, it would have been horrible. And it's something that well, we've look, been, look the last... it's been something they've been accustomed to, isn't it? To, to concede very early in those classicos and then just chasing. It's the exactly, now. exactly what I was going to say. Um, you know, last year you, you start with the buzz and then I think six minutes in, we, we already get worried because we all see we're playing a ridiculously high line and then you get punished. So, we we used to under under Garcia under Bob even under Bielsa you know the, you you go into these games with the best of intentions but all it can take is an individual error and you fuck up your whole game plan and suddenly you're chasing the score which you don't want to be doing away from home um, against PSG so the, the main difficulty in, in in with that chance is straight away you, as you say you think fuck me here we go again. You know, they, 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 from there on, you just I just expected a barrage of PSG chances and one of them would end up going in. But actually, that was probably the only clear chance they had in the first, first 20, 25 minutes. It is true. I mean, when you... I think nobody... I haven't watched the game again, but if you actually stop and get rid of the emotions and the stress and the fear of, like, saying, no, they're going to score now, they're going to score now, they're going to score now, and you just look back at, like, key chances... When were we really in danger, apart from, you know, just being dominated with possession, possession or having constantly the threat of being, you know, conceding the goal? But when you actually look at the shots on target and stuff, there wasn't that many shots that you that actually could have gone in. Yeah, yeah just... Uh, yeah. Sorry, made, Katie, go for it. Go. No, it's fine, yeah. They made more chances, but um, obviously across the game, but none of them, apart from when Neymar struck it straight at Mandanda, there was no real... I, I don't know, there was felt like tenuous the threat you know it wasn't constant as it normally would be well actually actually i think that vilas boas's tactics going into the game was probably one of the biggest game changers to and probably one of the biggest reasons why we won because it's not a kind of football that we're accustomed to seeing especially for marseille when you look throughout history 
you know, a team that parks the bus, that, that leaves the, the possession to the team and just says, you know what, we, just, we can take your position and we can be kind of solid enough to, to, to trust our defenders to not, you know, get caught on a one-on-one -on -one chance and concede. It's something that we haven't seen. And I think we should talk about Vias Boas's tactics going into the game. I think that'll be quite a good introduction to how the game went. Um, because at two o'clock, and Ben, I'll let you kind of introduce us into that. But at two o'clock, we got leaks, didn't we, about what we were going to see on uh, eight o'clock? Yeah, we, well, the, the lineup was leaked by a, a Marseille-based journalist. Uh, dropped a massive bomb, but then RMC confirmed it, and suddenly we're all reading that AVB's decided to put Lopez instead of Benedetto, and you're going. I think 99% of the fan base's reaction at that moment is, now nah, that's bollocks, now nah, that's bollocks. And then the more it gets relayed, the more you actually, you know, you start realising that actually that could be the case. There's a possibility. They can't, they wouldn't be putting that out of their arseholes. And yeah, you're just thinking, what the fuck is he doing? He said last week he'd learned from his mistake last year. He wasn't going to do anything dodgy. He was going to stick to his game plan. And then he, he he just comes out with the weirdest lineup you've ever seen. Lopez, who was, you know, he was supposed to leave two weeks ago, and yeah, suddenly he was his first game of the season. Yeah, he played. So he played in the friendly. So last week during the international break, Marseille played Nîmes in a friendly in the in the commanderie behind closed doors. I think we won two one, um, and Lopez scored and assisted Rongier playing in that position. So it was planned. You can actually think about it and you go, okay, fair play. At least you've tried it and you, you've, you've fought this out. You've prepared this game. You've got a game plan that involves Lopez. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, it's just because we didn't know all of that. The context was, it just it, it was just an absolute shock. Yeah, and it's it was a bit weird because when, when actually when we look on how the game actually started out, when I was really what I was expecting to see, you know, I was being like, I was really looking forward to seeing well, how does this play out, you know, on on the field, and you know, sometimes people just guess where players are going to be put, and it started off with Tovan being up front, didn't it, and and Lopez being on the right side, and they switched over Lopez back on up front. Kaylee, like, <laughs> what what sense did you make out of like our formation going forward, and and what our tactics? <laughs> To be honest, when I had seen the leak and like it was a, it was like Tovan false nine, wasn't it? And Lopez up front, and yeah. I was I'm not gonna lie, I was completely terrified. And I think the first 15 minutes how it went with all like misplaced passes, like a lot of weird little mistakes. I thought oh, I thought we we're gonna be in in trouble and like in for the match as a whole like that. But um, yeah, I didn't understand the. I'm a I'm a fan of Lopez to be honest, but um. I d he didn't really show that much faith in him last season either. Obviously, he's been due to leave. Um, if you like, I don't know where, but and then all of a sudden he's in the biggest game that we'll have in a position he doesn't generally play. Um, yeah, I, I was terrified, but it wasn't. It worked out well, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we we get the chance in the first minute from Verratti. Um, who basically on the whole PSG really came out in the first 20 minutes much better than us and it's, it looked like on the surface that the tactics that maybe be put out that it just wasn't working um, and that comes off Mandanda pulls an incredible save and then from there on you can get the feel that like the players suddenly kind of have this belief that you know we, we can hold this and we can you know play on the counter quite well Ben how did you 
from that moment forward, up, up until the half time, how did what did you make of a kind of our performance and how we dealt with the the threat of Neymar, who was and Di Maria, who were coming back from COVID, but clearly were very fit to to play ninety five minutes. Yeah, I, I found that actually the, the biggest threat in in the first half of the game was um was Sir Asarabja on the right because he was probably the only one that was actually match fit out of those front three. Even, you know, they're talented players. You, I w- you would not, not start them if they're available, even even if they're only 70% or 80% fit. They're capable of brilliance. But uh, AVB, is, if he's been anything at Marseille, it's been consistent. And if you if you look back, this, this game has actually been being prepared for, for six months, even longer, like almost a year, because our tactics for the last year here, and it started, I think, when we went away to Angers shortly after losing to PSG last season, um, we, we've always, we've gradually become a, a very solid defensive unit. We don't concede many goals last season. It's been drilled into these players, you know, concentration, track back, keep keep the block compact, don't don't leave any spaces in behind. Even Amavis, that's his weak point, has made huge progress on that, that front. So, it, it wasn't surprising that that was going to be our game plan. And we've, we've proven with the results we got away from home in Lille, Rennes, Nîmes. You know, we, we spent large, large spells of those games and the heavy pressure from, from the opposition. And we absorbed it. We did, I think we were, were very fortunate that Mondanda had a blinding season and, and made some incredible saves at Lille, at Rennes, um, at Nîmes. It's, World class saves that, that kept our head above water when we when we were looked like we were we were pretty dire for 10, 15 minute spells. So that's that's exactly what happened um, last season. This season, I think VVB said against Bayern friendly that we we lost one nil that he was going to set the team up to you know for, to be Champions League ready. And we showed last night that we are Champions League ready because we defended really fucking well. Yeah, that's true. Actually, we. Uh... That's interesting you say that because, you know, the, the PSG is clearly one of the elite teams of the Champions League now. And even though it wasn't exactly a comfortable win yesterday, but, you know, it kind of breaks the illusion that we're completely out of our league going into this, this you know, this year's edition of the Champions League. Yeah, it, it's, it, it just proves that he's, he knows what he's doing. Trust him. What about you, Katie? What What did you see of the like? What What were your impressions of the first half as a whole? Well, like in, initially, like um, I was really annoyed all the time because Florenzi just seemed to have the whole like Amavi didn't seem to be anywhere near him, and then on the other flank we've got Sakai who looked well. He got booked early on, obviously, and then that was a ridiculous in, yellow card as well. Yeah, it, it was, but then. In the aftermath of that, like he wasn't it, obviously there was the the antics from PSG off the ball and stuff like that, but um, like every time he went near it, went like there was a little push in the box. I know it wasn't anything that, but in in that kind of game scenario where you've got a ref who is doing everything he can to, like um, it was so so poor, you know. Um, yeah. It, it felt. If everything felt really tense, like I thought he's gonna get sent off before half time for sure. Um, but then I don't know somehow about like I think it took a good thirty five minutes before it bedded in, and then the the space for Florenzi was was much less, and it seemed much more, you know, compact. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're, you're 100% right because that, that's what what was happening was not only MV but Payet was he just looked out of sorts for the first half an hour, and, and tactically, you you if you I've rewatched the game this afternoon, AVB actually makes an adjustment because what was happening in the first 15 20 minutes was Cameron Gay, you know, it's normal they're young players first time playing together, and actually Gay actually plays in Cameron's position usually that's his position for for the Havre that's where he plays and for France. So they, they were just getting in each other's way because they were both in the same zone, which was creating massive gaps on, on the right side, so the, uh, the left side of our midfield. And what AVB did is he actually switches Rangier to that side and he tells Gay to push up a bit more on the other side. And that just frees up, whilst they were still very close together, it frees up Camara to, to sweep up in front of the defence. And, and as you say, KD, yeah, about... About, I'd, I'd say it was about 20, 25 minutes in that we actually started having spells as possession and breaking forwards. Um, and, and from there on, we looked very comfortable for the rest of that half. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would say for Gay, it took even, it seemed he was just getting really to grips with the game when he was being taken off. Like, he really grew, I thought, uh, towards later in the game. At first, it was all, but he's, as you say, he's a very young player in a similar role that he's sharing with Kamara. So it was kind of like the interchangeably, it wasn't really working. Would but then that put, would you have put Streetman? Because I, I, I mean, I would have thought Streetman would have been the more natural option. You know, because you, now you've been um, gay, who's a who's an inexperienced player, out of position, just for the sake of not putting Streetman on. You know, it's it just sounds a bit. Yeah, I think I think that's always as long as Streetman's here. I think that's always going to be the case. Like, there's something that's not fully trusted for him to carry the the whole game. Um, mm. That's true. Yeah. It's, a, yeah, it's a pace thing. It's a pace thing. That's we got found out last year against them and against other teams that you know we only we've only lost four games under AVB. But when we when we've been under pressure by opposition teams, we seem to get overrun in midfield because he just gets outrun. He's very good at getting in and, and nicking balls here and there. But on, on counter-attack situations, when the ball's going very quickly and, and it's travelling fast, he, he can't get back into the position to, to cover. He's very good when, when we're sat deep in front of our penalty area and the team's passing it around the area. That's where he's very strong at reading the game and often sticking his foot in or, or taking someone out at the right time. But that's, that's for me, was the main reason that he put Gay was for the pace because he knew that what was going to happen, what happened last year, that Di Maria was running fucking circles around the whole midfield and he was setting up attack after attack after attack and we were 4-0 down after 20 minutes. So, or 30 minutes. So that's why he put Gay for me. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. It, it, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 I just... I, I just, just... <laughs> Complimenting Ben as usual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's probably a case of hunger as well. Like you've got a young kid that's came in and wanted to prove something. That, that that's not the kind of character Strootman is, as you say, even in terms of, of play. Like he's not really going to be at it, you know, in terms of tempo and stuff like that. It's yeah. Yeah, and well. Uh, you know, the game goes on, we somehow, with Mandanda's amazing save, we managed to stay nil-nil. And it seems like as the game's going on, we're starting to find our feet a little bit and we're not just kicking the ball out of play, we're, we're starting to build up. And it's, you know, Payet, Tova holding the ball well to be able to, you know, combine with, with the fullbacks 
and we're getting quite a few you know we're going to get a few counters and we do have this battle in the midfield that for me we weren't losing that much you know Kamara, Ronger, Gay were really fighting and, and, and it was really 50-50 in terms of who was winning the ball and we get this middle midfield fight with Kamara in the 31st minute he managed to, to scrap with three defenders and get the ball and, and, and win the win the foul and Payet steps up from what 40 yards at that point and sets up a free kick that you know reminds you of the uh, of the France against Brazil game you know um, Zidane yeah, Thierry exactly. who you know who from 40 yards just, just kicks it up to the, to the to the back post and Tova on his own just able to slot that away which is for me not not an easy shot to do because you know he he has to do it first time he has to be you know on target he's not exactly in the middle of the goal either um how did you guys kind of see that goal and and from then on for me and i, I want to hear your thoughts for me it's it's sound it seemed like from that point on psg players just completely lost the plot they completely went out of the game yeah, they did. They lost their heads. But um, yeah, that's exactly it. When when he makes when AVB makes that tactical adjustment, we get more possession, as you say. And then Kamara he starts winning balls back a bit higher up. And on that particular chance where we get the, the free kick that led to the goal, he he goes past three players. He just ghosts them completely. Like what runs past them? I think he dribbles Verratti or something. Then he gets taken out by rather rash challenger as well. And then yeah, I think as you say. The, the goal, AV, AV, the, good, the, good, the good thing about AVB is that he's he's very honest and, and open, and he, he, I don't think he brags, but he says exactly why why what happened happened, and he said that the whole week in training, he's gone from now Tago Silva's left. He said for him his analysis was that PSG are very short, so they don't have very tall players, and and so on every set piece the tactic and the instruction was always going to be put it to the far post because they're not going to be able to jump as high as, as Chiletta Carr if he's there or someone like that. And it paid off and that's exactly what happened for the goal. The, the, the ball just goes over everybody. PSG take a while to, to track back and then Tuvan, who, who just runs straight forward without being marked, gets on the end of it. Amazing finish. Um, you know, I think we all we all had a bit of a a bit of a stressful few seconds when it went to VAR and got given. Thank God. But um, no, it's just it's, that from there on, it didn't feel like a PSG Marseille game has felt in the last 10 years. It felt like a, you know, a sort of Marseille, a Lille Marseille game or a Rennes Marseille game from last year where you knew that the team was, was going to stay compact and, and we were going to stick to the game plan even more so now because the players have just got a massive boost of belief that what they're doing is working. Yeah, um, like the ball itself, um, they basically just caught um, PSG napping really. Um, like, and I, I think that I think the finish is quite underrated as well. The way he just kisses it into the net that would have been so easy to just hit hard and at the keeper or maybe even the post. I've never really seen any uh, like any praise for the finish. I thought it was um, really nice actually. Yeah, it's not it's not actually as easy as it looks, is it? Ah. Uh. Um, yeah, and what, actually, I wanted to because I wanted to, to get a thing about it because we've had, you know, the whole kind of build-up of drama between Paya and PSG. Um, it did seem, you know, from from the whole game that P, that PSG were kind of 
you know, pettier than usual. You know, that they were going for really cheap shots and, and, and really rough tackles. Do you feel, and, and Katie, like, I'll go to you first, I guess. Do, do you think that the drama and, and Payet's kind of, you know, back and forth with PSG players, do you think that had a, a, something to do with, with, you know, the the way the game turns out in terms of, you know, the, the tackles and the, the physical roughness that we haven't seen in so many years in Clásicos? Yeah, well, I think obviously it stems from the for for them for the from the Champions League final. Like um, there was so much obvious um, the celebrations about it, and them obviously pitting it as like they're gonna have revenge, and you've got nothing to celebrate type narrative. And then it's obviously Neymar was the focal point of that, really, like the crying and stuff like that. So I think. They collectively came at the game with that kind of attitude, and it's it's filtered through. And obviously, they've lost the the previous game, and there's discord at the club around signings and and people not wanting to be there, maybe Mbappe wanting to be a waste of like that. So I think it it's all it all ties in really. And then on the pitch, I think the Paye and um, well everyone. I, were just inside of the heads, you know, um, and it, it it was different to what they usually are. It was you, you could just tell, like it collectively, like once something went against them, like even the save, you could see like there was there was just a different feel about the game, you know. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Like every every challenge, every foul afterwards, you know, you you there's this narrative, you know, after the game, you know, Licky put out there the daily newspapers this morning saying that in order for us to win our first game against PSG in 10 years we've had to make sure that, that, that there wasn't any real football being played but implying that you know all the scrap and stuff but I don't feel like we were instigating those you know that they were the ones that were like you know putting in the extra like extra sauce on their tackles and then chatting back and forth after tackles with Neymar and stuff it's you know, like there, I feel like we're, we we didn't take that position of a small club that says, you know, we can't beat them with football, so let's just kind of tackle them out. I feel like they were the ones that were coming after us. Well, yeah. we, guys, come on, you can't, okay, you can't say that we weren't instigating it. I mean, it, it just it just had that smell of a you know dirty Premier League derby, you know, sort of a Newcastle Sunderland one where. Someone like Joey Barton mouths off and, and starts winding someone up, and, and that actually works for us because it takes them out of the game mentally. And I, I just for the whole the whole first half, and look look back over the years, the main my, one of my main frustrations beyond getting battered by PSG is that you never feel like we got in the game and we actually tried, you know, to get ourselves on a mental level playing field. field. And yesterday we managed to get them to play our own game, which was we're coming here to give you a battle. Beyond giving you a football game, we're going to give you a fucking hard time. And it's up to you to rise to our challenge, not the other way around. For the first time in 10 years, we were dictating the, the tempo, really, of, of all the interactions and all, all, all the fouls and everything. We, I just think we were very streetwise about it. And how many times over the last few years have we seen, you know, Verratti, Thiago Motta, you know, dirty, dirty, good players, but dirty tactics, you know, bit of insults, a bit of a wind up here and there. And yesterday we did that. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree with what you're saying as well, because um, 
usually the narrative is is like we're kicking lumps out of them or whatever because we're apart from obviously the the draw like the last few um normally it's been we're, we're on a hiding and like the cynical challenges going in this came from from their end as if it meant more somehow than it usually does like they're not going to steamroll it it came from the context of the game i think being different you know yeah yeah we I agree because what, what i what i meant was just like it wasn't like when you get promoted size who say you know what we're just gonna tackle neymar every time he's got the ball and you know we're just gonna body him every time you know the rash challenges were coming from di maria you know paradise Paradis's only reason why he came on the pitch was to have fights, you know, like it felt like they didn't care about, you know, scoring and making good football and then that we were just like trying to kick him out of the game and, and get their heads out. It sounds like they were just in their own heads and were trying to, you know, you know, get their own somehow, which, which, which I think I think is really unfair that somehow, you know, the media is and, and you see people on social media as well, you know, like trying to belittle the the victory as if you know we were just a small team that were coming in not even to play football to do a street fight yeah it's, it's always telling when um Verratti is doing more talk and then any impact he's has on the pitch because yeah. he talks more and more more and more and and that was basically his contribution again yesterday as it was in the final like I thought he was pretty poor to be honest you know yeah, he's, he's dropped off. Um, yeah. But that's that's probably a discussion for a PSG podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, no, I was I was just really happy that I I, I just feel that there's players like Chetakar, Alvaro, obviously, uh, Payet, Tovan being back as well. He knows it's extra special. I think we we just have more leadership in this team. There's there's just that sense of belief because we had our best season in years last year. The coach stayed. Um, you know, we had loads of issues during pre-season with COVID and, t- and, and friendlies getting cancelled, whatever. But the, the squad is the squad and, and the guys obviously like each other. They like playing together. There's a good atmosphere. So it, it seems like they all agreed. They all buy into the philosophy of ADB, but they all buy into each other as well. And, and they, they just went out there. We've done, we've done the winding up, you know, three weeks ago when, when they lost to Bayern. And it was just... We were just there to rub it in their faces, and it was fucking brilliant. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know what? I think you're right. If we, if we kind of focus some more attention on, on our own players, um, and 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 we run a bit of a tangent on on PSG's analysis, then maybe we can maybe we can give ideas to a PSG podcast. <laughs> but um, let's focus on some of our players. Um, you know, we talked about Mandanda, who was definitely for me the man of the match. But another player who we've mentioned quite a few times in this episode already is, you know, Florent Tovin, who comes back from a very, very long injury last year. And, you know, two two games, two goals and two assists and contributes 100% of our goals. You know, how, how did you analyse his game yesterday aside from, you know, the, the magical goal that the magical goal that he scored? I think initially he was, um, I remember... I- I remember tweeting like, had he touched the ball in the first 15 minutes? It was very few and far between. But um, I think it was more in terms of like his position and stuff like that, where he was good. I, I don't think he was the best player despite the goal, but um, he, he was doing what he should be. And he's, you can tell like he's still got a way to go before he's fully himself, you know. And there's been a lot of transfer speculation around him. Um, as well, you know. So, 
Yeah, hopefully he signs a new deal now. <laughs> but yeah, he, um, no, he was, where, where he makes a difference is look, look to last year, where for many games, not just the PSG game, you know, you're stoked with either Germain or Hadonich or Bounassar, who, yeah, can put in a shift against a weaker team. Um, and, it, and that's if they even managed that in the case of bloody Hadonich. But um, Tovan, technically, he's always been a very, very gifted player. Um, sometimes it's been to his detriment because he, 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 he tries to trick too often. Um, I felt I just found him really simple in his way of playing yesterday. Um, when we started winning possession back towards the halfway of the first half, that's when he was precious because we were breaking forwards, but he was able to, to you know, to, to actually hold up the ball um, and, and set up some good attacks, some good movements and provide an outlet. Whereas you said earlier, Luca, where usually you'd expect us to just be kicking the ball away just to, to relieve the pressure. He was actually able to bring the ball down, keep possession for, for you know, that, that precious five seconds, give his teammates time to go forwards and find retained possession effectively. So that's where he was really interesting yesterday. Um, yeah, that, I, I will go on to other players, I'm sure. I thought Lopez did pretty well for, for a, a part of the first half as well in terms of, you know, you don't expect him to be up for the physical battle, but he was just very nifty in small spaces. He was able to, to put together a couple of good one-touch passes, relieve the pressure, find the teammate who was in space. Yeah, well, let's get on to it then. What, what, what other players did you guys both kind of wanted to highlight aside from, from Steve Mandanda and, and, and Froren Tovan? Um, I mean, Ben, you, you've, you've highlighted Lopez. Kaylee, have you got any kind of other key players that you, you think kind of deserves a mention from, from yesterday's performance? Yeah, I thought um, Camera was, was really good, actually. Um, like, it, apart from the start where it wasn't really working with him and Gay. I, I thought he really came into it. You know, he was part of the reason that they were they were rattled. You know, he was very he was close close to them all of the time. Um, yeah, I just thought he was really good. Yeah, I think yeah, I think he was probably one of the players that I was quite scared of when the first after the first ten minutes. I thought he was quite exposed a lot of times, and he was you know making some mistakes when coming out the back. But throughout the game, he really matured and he was always, you know, finding clean outlets to, to, to make counterattacks. And when you needed a foul, you know, he was there to make it. And it was, I thought, I thought like he, he was fantastic yesterday. I feel like that's yeah. one of the, you know, reference games where, you know, you'll come back to that and be like, he can, he has the shoulders to play Champions League football from those performances. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hope, hopefully he does it for us for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a player that I would like to highlight, and actually coming into the game, I was quite scared about his mental health. Was Dario Benedetto because he he just got benched for <laughs> he got benched for what a five foot nothing the central defensive midfield, um, and he came on on the 60th minute, and not only did he in my books. And, and the books of the, the the league who actually, you know, put a statement today, not only did he actually score a goal, um, but I thought he was very, very useful coming onto the pitch at the 60th minute. He was really good at holding the ball, at doing one-touch passing, you know, with the heads, with his head, with his chest, and I, I thought he was brilliant um, and really gave... Yeah, he's, he's very value. good. 
yeah, he's very good technically, isn't he? So he's he, he never he rarely makes a bad control. He rarely uh, gives the ball away when he when he makes a pass. Um, and he was good. I don't know if he, I don't know if AVB's game plan was to bring him on if we were losing to chase the score. But the fact that we were winning meant that um, you know he he was in his element because he was fresh, fit, and and he was able to play at the best of his ability because he had that that pace and he didn't waste the first half of the game running after balls and trying to close down space because he wouldn't have had much service anyway. So yeah, I think he he did really well. Um, and again, it's just to highlight that why we the big difference from when we've played PSG the last few years is Tego Silva's not there and physically they are no longer the, the strong team at the back that they were with him and Marquinhos and Marquinhos was missing as well. So I think that just that just means that they're seeing that actually Benedetto and Tovar are actually realising shit, we are actually retaining possession and they're not closing us down as fast and they're not bullying us off the ball like they used to. And, oh, I've got time and possession. They're not pressing me. So it, it makes a hell of a difference when you have that time and space. We have capable players. So it, it, it makes a difference. Yeah, I, cu- I couldn't believe when um, that was the shock, like exclusion for me at the start, because obviously he, if anybody of these of these players, he has the mentality for this kind of game um, with obviously Boca River, all that kind of... Um, he just has the... That, but I think actually, like you said previously, he wasn't wasting time chasing shadows and stuff like that. So when he came on, he was fresh, and um, and he, he he was in their heads from just coming on, you know. Um, yeah, but that red card. Why why does he get a red card? He's the one who gets shoved no, in the back. Yeah. That, that that's, that's the only yeah, it's the only one that you, you that's the only red card I looked at when. I still, I've watched it ten times. I still can't figure it out. I think it's for failing to, re, to. Re, I'm sure I read something weird like it's for not restarting the game quick or something. I don't know if it was because he stayed down. I, I've got no idea, but that I remember reading something he, like that. He was on the yellow, wasn't he? I think he got a second yellow. Yeah, he, got he was already on the yellow. He, the so referee he, gave yeah. Paradis and Benedetto both a yellow card, and they both were already on a yellow. But I'm failing to understand how. Like he didn't even retaliate. He was on the floor the whole time. Like, why are you giving a yellow to get to the guy who gets shoved in the back? What kind of logic is that? Yeah, I, I thought initially because I, I've rewatched it again on slow motion. Is that when he when he goes to ground? I, my first fear was he kicked out and he lashed out at Paradise, but he actually doesn't. He actually you see him fling his body to actually you know fall in a safe position and not hurt himself from the fall. But that was my initial thought, was that maybe he'd kicked him or something. Yeah, well, well, I think that's probably a good segue to move into, you know, 37 minutes into the podcast. Let's talk about the end of the game. <laughs> that was just a joke. Um, I mean, I personally welcomed it because, you know, it, we basically wasted, like, all of this... The, the, oh, we love that shit. The we lengthy, love it. Yeah, but there was six minute extra time. You know, I was like, why, why six minutes? It's an incredible amount of time. And this fight really just ended the game for everybody. Um, but I, I don't understand, like, it, it started off from a challenge from Benedetto, who fouled Paradise, who then retaliates by shoving him in the back, and from then on, it's just complete chaos, isn't it? No, it was the other way around. It's, um, it's Paradise, that's when he fouls Benedetto, and yeah. he, he brings him down. Um, the first the first booking he had was when he fouled, there was a bit of a scuffle then as well, but it, it quickly calmed down. 
No, it was he, he was fouled. He stayed on the ground. Then ugh, fucking zero brain cells, rubbish shit player, fucking Kurzawa. I, I can't believe he's still at PSG and still playing. Yeah. The guy, the guy is brainless. He came onto the pitch. Him and Paredes, you can imagine them sitting on the bench thinking, "Fuck this, we're going to go in and fight." They did not come onto the pitch to play football, either of them. And and that's that's when the fight really escalates, isn't it? Is when bloody Kurzawa runs over and just punches Amavi. He he, he punches him and then and then he kicks him and Amavi retaliates and then again they both get red cards. It's just like what? Like you can't retaliate, can you? He should have gone down. Basically, he should have he should have milked it and gone down. But you know you can understand feisty tempers. You're gonna you're gonna react like that. I mean. You know, now, now I've seen his fighting skills, I definitely won't pick a fight with Jordan, uh, Jordan Mavi anytime soon. <laughs> As well, like, even in, even before that fracas, we should have had people already off. Um, Di Maria spitting, obviously they can't go, like, that go back on back that. as well, yeah. Yeah, but it, it wasn't just that. He, he did, he did um, a tackle previously that he wasn't challenged for. Then he only got the yellow for um, that... Um, for me, it was a red card tackle. It was high up, high his leg, um, from behind. No intention of getting the ball whatsoever. None, literally he none. should have already been off. Neymar, um, it, uh, I think the the push on Alvaro at the um, behind the goal line. How was that not a yellow card? If that was in the Premiership, he would have been given another yellow card for for that push alone. Absolutely, and there wasn't it, even it was a challenge. Sinister. He, he, but he, he flung him like. It, it was it was a hard shove. It wasn't like a playful shove or anything like that. He just clean shoved him. How was that not a yellow? Yeah, I think the I the, the referee just let things go out of control completely, and because I think he was scared of, of of dishing out second yellows, but then by not giving them as fouls, you just you're like fueling the fire because Alvaro Gonzalez is now like, oh, you're gonna push me. Well, then like let's start fighting, and it's just like. Like it's just the wrong way to, to, to you know to referee such a game. I mean, the, the, the game was venomous. Yeah, the game was venomous, wasn't it? People, you could tell we were we were gonna sort of get inside their heads. As we've said earlier on the podcast, they they completely lost their heads. They started fighting. They started sorry, not fighting, but they started going in really rash on challenges, really with intent to you know be malicious. We, we managed to keep our heads for so long. I think the reason it went so bad for me at the end and the reason why our players kicked off just lost their heads as well is the disallowed goal incident. I mean, if we score that second goal, if that second goal is not un unrightfully, you know, unjustly fucking cancelled for, for an imaginary offside and conveniently there was no VAR check, if we score that second goal... I think our players would would you know they just they would have kept their cool. They wouldn't have responded. Payet and Mandanda would have probably marshaled people like Amavi and said no 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 stay away from it. We're winning two 0 Fuck them all. It would have changed the, the sort of uh, you know the, the, in terms of our players' mentality. I don't think they would have been up for the the fracas at the end if that had not been disallowed. Yeah, and what staying on on this topic. Um... We're talking before we talk about the discount goal and, and more broadly the refereeing decisions, um, and and staying on, on on the fight. Like let's let's focus away from the PSG players. But Benedetto got a second yellow and Amavi gets straight red card. Um, 
before we get on to Alvaro Gonzalez, what are you expecting in terms of, because we have, we don't have the largest group. Are you expecting Amavi to be off for what, four or five games, Benedetto two, or, or more severe punishment? I think, I think for, I don't think Benedetto, Benedetto will get a severe punishment, but Amavi, he's, he's clean struck at him, hasn't he? Let's be honest. So I think potentially he could get a five, if not more ban. It, it's, well, if you've done that in the street, it would be kind of an assault if you try to punch someone in the face, wouldn't you? So, I, I think they're going to have to balance as well what they're doing with their players. Um, in terms of... Because there was a kick as well, wasn't there? That's, yeah, because that would yeah. kick Samavi and Amavi kicks back. Yeah. Um, I, I think what the legal try and do will be try to try and strike some kind of balance somewhere along the lines, but I can't see Benedetto getting a, a lengthy... Ban for well, he's, the, he's, he's definitely out for Saint-Étienne, probably. Yeah. For the Thursday game, he's going to be out. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm expecting him to be out for a second game against Lille. I mean, that that would be terrible because Saint-Étienne and Lille are both ahead of us on the table, undefeated. We can't really play with Lopez up front again <laughs> for the next. No, two I don't games. think that'll work. <laughs> um, I- in a different kind of game where you have to be a bit more open, that that wouldn't. I, I don't believe that kind of setup would work again. Yeah, I think it. I don't know. I'm in two minds because I'm just so expecting them, the league, to fuck us as they always do. I'm expecting touch wood, it doesn't happen, and they're actually, you know, they're, as you say, Kaylee, they're actually reasonable and, and balanced and fair. But fuck it, I just know to no no better than to expect that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I, I expect I think Kuzava and Amavi will both get five games minimum. Um, I think Benedetto. It's a it's a double yellow, isn't it? So that's just that's two games. That's automatic two games. No, sorry, automatic one game. And if they if they yeah it's an automatic one game and if they review the incident and decides that he he was aggressive or fought or something then he'll get another game. Um, it may be one one game and one suspended sentence. Um, but yeah, clearly their players Paredes was just full of aggressivity. Kurzawa, Neymar. Again, I'm worried about the Neymar situation because now now it's um, it's tarnished by the the whole Alvaro affair that we'll discuss in a minute I'm worried that they'll, they'll be lenient on him but he, he should be getting minimum four game, three games minimum if not if not three and two suspenders but hopefully they'll want to make an example of him because he was very aggressive the whole night um, there's also an incident so I saw this as well on um, you see it on the on the camera footage from Telefoot so you know Telefoot do like she presented back in the day Lucas where they um yeah. The day after the game, they do like you know the behind the scenes thing. So in the tunnel after the game, Neymar's fucking waiting for Alvaro, and Alvaro walks in and just waves at him like from a distance. You know, it's all the security in between the two the two teams, and he just waves at him and goes ciao. And Neymar just fucking runs at him. He goes for <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, the security guy steps in front of the camera. Doesn't he, he does, yeah, yeah. blatant, <laughs> blatant bullshit. So. I, I, if if that is in the referee's report, it depends to what extent the referee's gone. You know, gone. Fuck me, he must have spent at least two hours after the game in his, in his dressing room <laughs> typing up <Paperwork>. that report. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm I'm a bit worried. I'm I'm not too worried because let's face it, 
well, I am because we actually got a difficult run of games coming up. Fortunately, the, both of the next ones are at home, but then we're going to Lyon. But what does that mean at home anymore? Does it? It's... Well, yeah, it doesn't mean much, but yeah, yeah, it doesn't mean anything actually. You're right. <laughs> um, well, well, I mean, we've talked we've talked about Amavi and, and Benedetto. I mean, however long the suspension is, these are probably the two positions that we cannot afford to lose players at. So that's just yeah, really that's... unlucky. Um, yeah. But well, we've got Nagatomo now on left. Yes, I'm more worried about Benedetto, but I think Nagatomo will, will, will do, do a shift. Yeah, He'll be fine. We don't know what condition, what fitness he's in. You know, He's just a racket club. Uh, I don't know. I think he'll be fine. Mm. Well, we've mentioned him quite a few times. So there's the whole Alvaro Gonzalez scandal that's really kind of overshadowed the win um, because that's all the post-match conferences has been about. That's all what the media has been talking about. Um, just to summarise the events, essentially... The first incident is just before half-time, where Neymar and Alvaro get into a kind of a shouting match. And Neymar goes to the referee saying that he was being racist to him um, and saying, like, are you allowing this in your league? And Alvaro is just like, like, pull the VAR then. It, like, I, I didn't say anything racist or anything. And then all the way to the end, on the 90th minute during the scrap, where apparently words exchanged again. And... Um, Neymar hits him in the back of the head and the way he explains that is that he's been racist all game and and that essentially sparked the whole scandal. Um, just a summary of the event, I mean, since then, all the cameras have been trying to find footage of, of any remarks that Avaro said. They haven't been able to find anything, so we're going to wait until like the official investigation comes out. Um, the club, Marseille, they've made a statement 20 minutes ago saying that, like, that Alvaro is not racist. Um, he hasn't said anything racist. He he hasn't he hasn't confessed to anything that he said, um, and that essentially he's received a lot of death threats because his information was leaked on on the Brazilian uh, social media, etc. So this is a big mess. I mean, for both the club and Alvaro himself. What do you guys make of 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 that scandal, and what do you think the implications are going to be? Um. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for, for for what it is like the so, so we've got the was it Telefoot or RMC I'm not sure who put the footage out who have been analysed yeah. yeah I mean so that just because they it, it's like key to point now just because they haven't found anything conclusive doesn't mean it didn't happen yeah but, yeah the, the investigation is still yeah. happening though it's just their own kind of yeah, I mean it's a, it's a strong reaction from Neymar, but to count just to be balanced, like if this had been going on since half time, what surely the strong reaction about the racism would have come at the first incident? Again, I'm not saying that it didn't happen. It, it the the timeline, I'm not sure about the timeline of of how it came about. It seemed he was shouting racism as he was being sent off, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So no, it's before, no, 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 no. It was before that. No, no, no. no. It's, it's, it is. It's just after the spitting incident. No, sorry. Neymar shouting racism, but yeah. he starts. He starts accusing yeah. him after the spitting incident. Yeah, yeah which but... is the first time he runs to the ref. Then there's the fracas because it was, it was, um, oh, was it? It wasn't as part of the fracas, was it? It was a couple of minutes later that the fracas happened. Yeah. Uh, and and then yeah. That's, I think, my memory is that, is that then he gets sent off, and when he gets sent off, he kicks off at the fourth, the assistant, on the, on the touchline. 
Yeah, but what he says, what he says to the assistant in the camera, he says, I hit him because he was racist. He's yeah, like, well, what, what can you read into it? I mean, it's a tricky situation. I just think that he's, I, I, I will give the benefit to the doubt for now, because innocent till proven guilty properly, not by some fucking kangaroo court. I'll give the benefit of the doubt to Alvaro. Um, I, I just think that, that you know, you rewatching the game earlier, it was just so obvious that Alvaro Materazzi's Neymar. He just he just completely Going to his head, spent yeah. the whole game winding him up. Whenever he was on the ground, he, a couple of times he actually walks past him. He probably shouts at him and you know accuses him of rolling around and takes the piss or something. So he, already at half time, Neymar was apparently Piamines at this. Apparently at half time, he, he went to complain with the referee about Alvaro. He was like, oh no, no, he's dirty, blah blah blah, moaning. So he, it was an accident waiting to happen. It was a time bomb waiting to go off. I think Ocampus did the same to him, didn't he, a few years ago when he got sent off for headbutting him. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what you have to do with Neymar. He's, 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 he is susceptible to that type of, of, of wind-up. Probably not all the time, but in the context of this game where he's not 100% fit, the game's not going their way as it usually does. So, hmm. But from, from seeing the images that they put out, and because I, I do speak Spanish fluently, to me, reading reading what he says at slow motion when when the camera's on Alvaro and he's he's show, just after he shows his face with the spit on it, well the alleged spit. Again, I don't see any strong evidence of that, but we'll see. He he looks at the camera and as Neymar's walking past, to me it reads like he's saying "me aniscupido callate," which is he spat on me, shut your fucking mouth, basically. Mm. So that's that's what it reads. Whether there's something after that or whatever the clip that everybody seems to be focusing on is that one yeah. where the, apparently people who are expert rip lead, you know lip readers who don't speak a word of spanish can, can see him saying mono which is monkey in spanish which <laughs> i don't know the, the other thing that worries me is that we, we the lfp is apparently going to investigate and look into it themselves now they've been given the footage you can bet your fucking ass that PSG building a solid case. They've probably got some fucking psychic who can read what what his intent was, even if he didn't say it. You know, they'll be building some ridiculously supercharged dossier against Alvaro, and I'm worried that, that the prejudice of it alone is going to be enough to to screw him over. Well, I mean, he's already guilty in like the court of public opinion, so it, it really like the league. I feel like the league is just going to say. We can't not suspend you because it just looks bad for the image, whatever the outcome is. Yeah, I, I think the thing is, is like, yes, it, it's alleged, and if, if it is found to be true, I don't think there's a place like for at the club for anybody like that. However, I, I, what I do think was poor from Alvaro's point of view was is um, social media posts, the kind of I'm not racist. I have a black friend type. Yeah, the image he posted with like all of the obviously my, yeah. like players from minority backgrounds. It's just like yeah. why? Yeah, it was. I thought it was awfully ill-advised to be honest with you. And all all he had to do was put like a sincere and a strong statement out against racism. And what he's done is, it, I don't think it's helped at all. To be honest with you. No, I agree. I agree. Um, I think I just wanted to mention, yeah. I mean, because we don't know everything and I prefer waiting for the outcome. I think I'd be on my side, I've said it on Twitter um, 
but like if it, if he has been then for me I don't, I don't think he should play for us anymore I don't want to no, see should... him on the field for us anymore if if that's happened um, yeah yeah on the flip side I, I think that um I would like to think anyway in absence of again it's just it's an allegation at this stage but I'd like to think when they bring players into a club like this and you know the makeup of the city the makeup of the club I'd like to think they wouldn't take in like a Vox type you know like a someone with that kind of mentality where that could even be an issue I'd, I'd like to think like the recruit with that in mind mm. uh, you, you'd That's hope so anyway so yeah yeah um yeah i think i think it's it's exactly that katie but yeah i think but the main point you make and i think very rightly so is that the his social media post it just makes it seem like he's not taking it seriously whether that that could work if you're not in the public eye because it, it's you know you, you don't want to if you put a statement out, maybe it's considered a, an admission of guilt or something like that, even if you're denying. However, to, to look like you're not taking it seriously at all is probably even worse in the public eye. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the only other reference point is like Bernardo Silva and when, whatever, it was him and Ben Mendy, I think, wasn't it? And yeah. 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 And you had kind of Sterling saying he isn't, and that photo kind of collected, collectively is saying he isn't but it's also kind of flipping to the incident like regardless of guilt or portion blame or whatever it's a serious matter it's not something really to be flipping about you know yeah we'll wait and see i mean i guess the the other big question is if it's unproven or if he, if he gets you know if he gets exonerated basically by the league who's saying lack of evidence and whatever then I think it's a bit stupid and, and ambitious of any of our fans or anybody at the club, perhaps, to expect Neymar to get suspended because it's such a, a touchy subject. Yeah, that that looks even worse in the league's point of view because it's silencing the the alleged victim. So you, I just think the the only outcome is either Alvaro gets gets done just for the public opinion thing, or they both that it just gets dismissed and then the league gets both clubs to to agree to maybe get them to meet up and do a PR thing or whatever. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, it's essentially like Neymar's word against his because if you look at the position of the two players, they're very close together and Neymar, I don't think, could rely on support. And um, Yeah, but at the same time, it's not it's not a full stadium, isn't it? At the same time, it wasn't a full ground. So you, you could hear... We, you, you could actually hear the players shouting during the game and talking, not talking conversation-wise, but... It's yeah, not like it's a full stadium. Yeah, I think he'd argue that if he was being racist, that he wouldn't shout it, you know. And, <laughs> and they checked, the TV guys checked not only the images, the yeah, footage, but they say they checked the sound recordings as well. Yeah. And they I mean, can't hear anything. Yeah, if it, if it isn't true, the sad thing is, is that this tag, as you see, the court of public, public opinion is already against him. So, um, yeah, I think it's really, it's really, really difficult, isn't it? I think the next step is probably just to wait because, I mean, no more footage is going to help. I don't see, because the only footage the league is going to have is the footage that we've already kind of seen. So I don't I don't think they're going to kind of see anything from that. Um, but I think probably the best thing is just to wait until the I mean, the official investigation comes out. Um, the last thing that I got, I, I'd like to guys, I'd like to get your thought on is um, a lot of people on social media, especially after Leonardo came out and 
had a massive rant about the referee and the referee decision, the fact that he wanted another referee to be politically refereeing the game, and put a lot of pressure on the league to, you know, tell them, you know, this is not acceptable, the refereeing was shocking, um, and the decisions were made weren't the good ones. Where is Iro? Where, where, where is our direct... Because we've had the penalty... Sh we've had the, the disallowed goal. We've had ridiculous yellow cards given to us. We're going to have some... We're going to need someone to fight for us when it comes to the, to the commission, when it comes to the red cards. And last, two weeks ago against Brest, we got the penalty that wasn't called. That was an obvious, obvious error. Are you, are you, are you guys expecting Aero to kind of go back into that role like he did in 2018? Or is he going to keep, you know, staying silent? Um, I, I don't think you'll get anything solid from him until probably Wednesday night when the decisions are, are cast anyway, to be honest. Um... But yeah, I think maybe it's it's just the matter that is at hand with it being so controversial. Maybe he's being advised to keep counsel, but it did seem strange that there was nothing in the immediate aftermath from him. You know, it's his personality, isn't it? As well, um, the, we, I, I hate giving the guy credit. It, it it feels painful. It actually physically stings me to do it, but he. You know, on the contrary of an Oles or a Leonardo who come out and whinge about everything, he everything that comes from the club, whether it's his opinion or he's typed it or whatever, comes out from the club. It comes out as a statement from L'Olympique de Marseille. It doesn't come out from Jacques Maurier. Or, and, and I think that's actually a really good thing because it, it values the institution above any, any one individual. Um, and at the same time... He, <laughs> You know, I don't blame the guy. He gets fucking mugged for everything he does, whether it's good or bad. So he's probably sick of, of taking the heat. Let the club, you know, he's in charge, makes a decision, says, yeah, okay, I, I, I sign off on this statement. But I think he's there in a way. But yeah, I think because we're used to feisty characters in this league, you know, Louis Nicolas, we've had Pap Diouf, Tapi, uh, you know, and I think there's a lot of it is also this fantasy that Bujelal is still lurking somewhere, and a lot of the fans, uh, you know, tweeted today saying, "Oh, you know, he'd have he'd have already gone up to Paris and, you know, demanded a, a meeting with the league today and all this shit. It's all fantasy stuff. I don't expect anything from it all, but at the same time, the less I see of him, the happier I am. But wouldn't you like someone to at least come forward? Because I don't I don't like all that. I don't like Leonardo either, but it gets results, you know, and we need someone in that role, in that unlikable role, to put pressure on, on things to get done, because, like, I'm saying that, you know, the, the people who are quiet and who wait, you know, they don't make a lot of trouble, so the referees will like them and give them decisions. It's not true. Decisions are given to the people who kick, make fuss and, and you know, like, whinge when decisions don't go their way, even if when they're wrong. But we're not doing that. And it's, we've already had two two goals in two games that could we could have scored, and they've been both been denied. It will hey, be nice. It was a middle you're, ground. You're forget, yeah, you're forgetting our secret weapon, guys. What is it? Vincent Abrun. <laughs> Playing the long game, huh? <laughs> well, no, yeah, he's been he's been elected president of the LFP. You know, maybe. Uh, <laughs> no, we we both know he's going to be shit, and he's not going to help. He's not going to help us in any way. He can probably do some dodgy deals with um, with Mediapol, or or he'll do something even dodgy and change the broadcast the next year because he's taken a backhander of someone. Um, it's a joke. 
Well, yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be on Ola's level, but it it can't be at, like flat level either. We need something, some something tan something tangible, you know. Yeah. Well, on that note, that probably wraps up all of the the PSGOM drama for this week. Uh, we've got quite a few games coming up. We've got Saint-Étienne on Thursday, and then we've got Lille on Sunday, and then Mess, and then straight again against Lyon. So next four games, and we've, we've just played PSG, but then the schedule is not getting any easier. Um, so we'll, we'll probably come back uh, with you guys for another episode in two weeks' time. Um, is there anything else that you guys would like to comment before we, we leave it off for this week? Um... Uh, we, we sounded a bit subdued actually for just having one. I think that's the effect of um, of, the, <laughs> of the controversy after. But like, if, if we've just like spoke with the tone of a defeat there, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, hello. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess. Look, guys, we don't know when this is going to happen again. Yeah. Um, we we are a peak banter against them. This is this is one of the best periods since Qatar took over PSG for Marseille fans, because they shut themselves in the Champions League final, and, and we've broken the curse in the space of the same month. So just just savor it, people. Everybody savor it. And they get relegated. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Everybody savor it. You know, we're six points ahead of them. It could be important come May. You never know. You never know. So. Um, <sighs> Just, just, yeah, just enjoy it, savour it, guys, because we, we, we've got a tough run of games coming up and as we've discussed, we're going to have a, a few players missing because they'll be suspended. Yeah. So, yeah, enjoy it, enjoy it, keep that smile and don't relent on the banter. Keep it coming. <laughs> well, on that note, cheers, Ben, cheers, Kaylee, and we'll see you all in two weeks' time. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Guys. Cheers, Thanks. cheers bye.